Right, so we are a couple of days removed from UFC 269. I'm here to give you my views and my opinions on what went down on Saturday night. Before I do that, my name is Rahul J. Chand. This is The Battle Camp. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. If you hear heavy breathing and panting and things of that nature, it's not me. There's a dog in the room who's out of shot, but if he does come in shot, I'll make sure you guys can have a good look at him. Um... But yeah, I just quickly want to say, actually, before I talk about any of the fights on the card, um, this was the last pay-per-view of the year, and what an entertaining card it was. The UFC truly went out with a bang in 2021. Um, I was a little bit kind of disappointed, well, a little bit's uh, an understatement, but I was very disappointed when the Leon Edwards and Masvidal fight fell out. Um, and during fight week, I was looking forward to the card. But I didn't have that like that real excitement, that real kind of feeling of oh, I have to, I, I can't wait, I have to watch all of this. Um, I was excited about the Oliveira fight and the, uh, the, the Oliveira Dustin Poirier fight and a couple of others, uh, but I wasn't really kind of chomping at the bit, as it were. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I was, I'm gladly, gladly, I was very surprised. I was very surprised, motherfuckers, with how entertained I was. It's the first, it's the first time in a while where I've sat down and I've watched every single fight on the card, um, starting from the early prelims, going into the prelim card, and then obviously the main card. Actually, I'm lying because I fell asleep briefly uh, during the main card. I fell asleep during the Kai Kara France Garbrandt fight. Um, and I woke up in the Pena Amanda Nunes fight, right? But I did go back and watch the France Garbrandt fight. I haven't seen the Jeff Neal Ponzinibbio fight yet, and from what I hear, I didn't miss much, right? But there is only really one place to start, and that's a Charles Oliveira Dustin Poirier fight. I just got to show you guys this. Look, Pablo, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Um, but yeah, um, so Charles Oliveira Dustin Poirier. Look, um, I don't really want to kind of refer back to what I thought might happen and compare it to what actually happened too much. But uh, the way the first round played out, I wasn't surprised on this occasion. Right. Um, we saw Dustin Poirier do what he's been so effective in doing um, over his last three or four fights. And um, he looked very dominant against Charles Oliveira and when the buzzer sounded it felt like this is Dustin Poirier's fight to lose um, in the second fight I believe that because he was so dominant in the first round I feel like that played into how he fought in the second round because when I can't remember whether it was a takedown or whether it was a kind of scramble where Charles Oliveira just ended up on top but Dustin Poirier was just happy to try and stifle Charles Oliveira and stop him from inflicting any damage. And I think he was just trying to make the fight as inactive as possible so the referee eventually stands them up. Um, obviously, that didn't happen because um, throughout that round, Oliveira was able to inflict um, enough damage to warrant the fight remaining in the position they were in, right? Um I also feel like going into the third round, Dustin Poirier had that first round fresh in his mind. And I felt like he felt as though he has got um, the ability to finish this fight. And I feel like he felt that he was close to finishing it in the first round. And I don't want to say he was overconfident or he underestimated Charles Oliveira. I just feel as though he um, was just very... Attacking, if that makes sense. And I'm, I don't, I'm not even saying that he neglected his um, kind of defensive obligations. It was just as though he could see the finish line and he was going for it. Um, the first round, especially like the pace they were fighting at, 
Like, it was almost like these guys, had no one told these guys that it's a five-round fight. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a title fight and two guys fighting at that sort of pace. And Charles Oliveira with those kicks that he kept throwing down the middle and Dustin Poirier connecting with the, with the, with the punches. And it was an entertaining fight. I'm, I'm disappointed on Dustin Poirier's behalf because I've, 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 I've said this time and time again, I'm a fan of Dustin Poirier as a fighter and as a man. And I feel as though what he's done in his career, both in and outside of the octagon, deserves a title. But you don't get a title for being a nice guy. You have to earn it. What's the matter? Oi, why are you barking? You have to earn it, right? And um, on this occasion, Charles Oliveira was the better man. And Charles Oliveira deserved to win that fight with the performance he put in. He was uh, faced with adversity by being hurt in the first round. And all of this talk of him being a quitter, not having heart, etc. Um, it's safe to say he's dispelled all of that um, at, by now with, with his last two fights. Do you know what I mean? Um, it looks as though Justin Gaethje is next for Charles Oliveira. I saw a little clip of them backstage shaking hands. Justin Gaethje congratulating Oliveira. Um, it looks as though that is the most logical fight for the title at this point. Um, obviously, if you're Conor McGregor, you think you deserve the next shot, but who knows when he's going to be back. He's just trolling at this point on, on, on uh, social media, saying, when do you want to fight, Charles? And um, a lot of people are biting. Uh, but um, I'd be interested, actually, to see what happens with Dustin Poirier, uh, because Nate Diaz had a tweet addressing Dustin Poirier, saying, Dustin Poirier sucks. How did you lose to him twice, Conor? Basically taking a shot at both of them. Um, I'd be interested to see because there's also Dustin Poirier was talking um, during fight week and prior about his, um, uh, you know, his lightweight days might be numbered and he can see himself moving up at some point in the future. So there's options out there for Dustin Poirier. And in this defeat, I don't believe his star has declined in any way. Now, I'm going to pause this briefly because I think he needs to go out for a piss and I'll come back and talk about Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. All right, so Juliana Pena defeats Amanda Nunes in the second round via rear naked choke. Who saw that coming? Because it wasn't me. So I think I need to start this section by apologising to Juliana Pena because I was extremely dismissive of her, her chances of winning this fight. And what she did on Saturday night was truly remarkable it was an upset for the ages the biggest upset of the year we had amanda nunez i believe amanda nunez was the biggest favorite on the card um i've heard this is the third biggest upset um when it comes to betting odds in the history of the ufc and i'm not like no no let me rephrase that so firstly, actually, apologies, Juliana Pena. I know you're never going to see this, but um, I was I was quite dismissive and borderline rude about Juliana Pena's chances of winning on Saturday night. And actually, I did see Luke Thomas on a couple of occasions talk about, oh, you know, um, I think Amanda Nunes is the favourite. I think Amanda Nunes will win, but I won't be surprised if Juliana wins because I've seen upsets in the past and it's not impossible for Juliana to win this fight. And I thought he was just being a nice guy, to be honest. But hats off to Luke Thomas on this one because it's not that he called it. But he left enough room in his thought process to allow for a possibility where Juliana Pena comes out of the fight of the champion. And that's exactly what happened. Um, 
I'll tell you why, um, what really, really surprised me about the fight. Um, in my head, I felt as though if Juliana Pena is going to win this fight, and the chances for that in my head prior to Saturday night were extremely minute, uh, Juliana Pena is going to have to almost weather the storm early on, first couple of rounds, um, start closing the distance, hope Amanda Nunes starts getting tired and kind of really weigh on her, make it a boring, gritty, dirty fight, and eventually towards the end of the fight, maybe get a submission. And what we saw in that second round when both girls came out, Juliana Pena came forward and started throwing punches. And actually, I think I even referenced a little clip that I saw of Pena in either the countdown show or embedded and watching her, her, her boxing skills. She was doing pad work and I thought to myself, mate, that striking is way too basic, way too basic to trouble Amanda Nunes in any way, shape or form. How wrong was I? How wrong was I? Because one thing that I neglected to consider is the heart, grit and determination. And those three, those three things are um, difficult to quantify. The only time you can is when you see a fighter in a real life fight scenario. And what we saw Juliana Pena do is overpower Amanda Nunes with those three qualities. Um, and I feel like there was a point where Juliana Pena started landing. Um, my friend James sent me a little clip of him watching the fight and he, and, and, and he sent a little clip of Juliana Pena landing three or four jabs in a row. And um, she was connecting. She was literally doing a basic combination of a one, two, a jab and then a right. And they were landing. And at that point, I felt as though Amanda Nunes just was almost, she was, embar embarrassed might be the wrong word, but she was almost like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This isn't what Juliana Pena is supposed to be doing. It was almost like she was, she was, she was in that octagon at that moment thinking to herself, does this girl know who I am? Does, does Juliana Pena know what I can do to her on the feet? And rather than trying to combat what Juliana Pena was doing with her superior technical abilities on the feet, she decided to go toe-to-toe toe -to -toe with Juliana Pena. And she decided to do the same thing that Juliana was doing and bite down on her gum shield and start throwing in retaliation and in defense so in her head at that point the best form of defense was to attack the problem is juliana pena was beating her to the punch and juliana pena was hurting amanda nunes and then the fight went towards the fence and pena was able to close the distance and she went for the takedown and i was thinking to myself why are you doing that you're beating on the feet but then i thought to myself actually afterwards when when i saw how the fight unfolded um it makes sense obviously because that was juliana pena's game plan all along and she she managed to sink in that choke and it looked as though she hadn't fully 
got the choke in and Amanda Nunes had tapped. And I, I honestly feel that the way Amanda Nunes was behaved as that onslaught from Peña started was a mixture of her not being able to compute the the sheer audacity of Juliana Peña for 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 putting her putting her head down, moving forward and frying punches and landing the way she was. And fatigue on Amanda Nunez's part where her body wasn't responding the way that it usually does. Now I'm not making excuses for Amanda Nunes, but there was talk, you know, previously that Amanda Nunes is good for, you know, a couple of rounds, but then she gasses. But I'm pretty sure we've seen Amanda Nunes fight, a five-round fight in recent history. Let me check this because I don't want to talk shit. Decision, yeah. If, um, she's had one, two, two decisions in 2019, December and 2020. So she can, she can go go the distance but I feel as though um again another term that my mate James said is Amanda Nunes is a front runner and over here what we call a front runner is a flat track bully and that's a cricket reference because a fat flat track bully is a batsman that gets big scores on a really easy pitch to bat on and (laughs) Juliana Peña was nothing but an easy pitch and I feel as though Amanda Nunes wilted. She wilted and she gave in to pressure. And I wasn't expecting for that to happen so soon. Now, we do know Amanda Nunes, it was reported that Amanda Nunes had COVID. I don't know if that was true. I don't know whether that was just a uh, an injury that went out there for her to delay the fight because she wasn't quite ready. If she did have COVID, was her gassing out a result or not a result of that or a a lasting effect of COVID? Is that why she gassed out the way she did? I don't know. Um, the The thing is, at this point, it feels as though the match that is going to be made is a rematch between the two girls. And what I don't want to see Amanda Nunes it do is come out with a load of excuses as to why she lost and why she wasn't at her best. I hate it when that happens. I hate it when that happens. So if she if she does get the rematch and it feels as though she's earned enough credit to deserve that with how dominant she's been over the years and the landscape of that bantamweight division at the moment, then I just hope she comes out and says Juliana was a better girl on Saturday night, but I'm here to prove I'm the better fighter overall. Um, Finally, the commentary, I really enjoyed it. I know there's been a lot of talk about DC and there's always talk about Joe Rogan and the job that he does as a commentator. Um, But the way they were reacting when Juliana started that onslaught, oh, she she hit her, She, she hit her again. And even they were surprised at what they were seeing and how they were seeing that second round unfold and the reaction when Juliana got the um um when Amanda sorry tapped uh you know they always have a camera in front of the in front of them on the desk um I found it entertaining I enjoyed it I enjoyed their reaction and it shows just how big of bigger fans they are 
of the sport and they're lucky bastards man best job in the world um a couple of other things that i quickly want to touch on kai kara france cody garbrand i was a little bit concerned about this fight and my concerns turned out to be justified because that was a that was a domination that was a three minute domination of cody garbrand and i don't really know what's quite what to make of cody garbrand and his form recently um and what to put it down to man um I think it was Ara Hawani who made this point uh, during his interview with Dominic Cruz yesterday. He said um, it was in the very same arena where a few years ago Cody Garbrandt beat Dominic Cruz and that was back in 2016. And both fighters are back fighting on the same card in the same arena five years later and Cody Garbrandt is fighting in a weight class below losing to Kai Kara France and Dominic Cruz is here you know beating Pedro Munoz who's incidentally a guy that beat Cody Garbrandt after he uh, after that fight in 2016 um, I don't want to make this all about Cody Garbrandt because Kai Kara France obviously he came to do a job and he'd done it to perfection um, he he hurt Cody Garbrandt two or three times until he eventually got the finish. The fight only lasted three minutes and 21 seconds. 21 seconds to go. So, like, you know, he literally, he just went in there and blitzed him. And I don't know what Cody Garbrandt needs. I don't know whether he needs a new team. Because it's easy to say, oh, he needs a new team. But there's guys that fight from that team. Josh Emmett, who fought on the same card, who came back from an injury and he fought a, a difficult opponent in Dan Ike, how he pronounced his surname. And he won, right? So there's other guys that fight from that team. But obviously, I don't know whether he needs a new look. He, he did actually spend some time fighting with... Um, why do I always forget his name? The guy in New York... Um, Frankie Edgar's coach someone in the comments is going to tell me but he did spend some time with him training and stuff like that I'm pretty sure he was in the corner with Cody Garbrandt in previous fights so I I don't know man I don't know whether he needs some time out I don't know whether he just peaked really early and and he's really on a decline I don't know whether it's bad form I don't know what it is but I feel for him I like him I I like him as a a guy I I, kind of like his personality so I feel for him man um, Sean O'Malley beat William Paver. Um, good performance, very good finish. Um, I think I don't know whether this is true or not. I think he's got one fight left on his deal. I don't know, but um, I'm interested to see, man, because um, the way the way Sean O'Malley's career has been structured so far is the way um, a promoter who looks at his fighter as an asset builds their fighter in boxing, right? Um, obviously. It's different in the UFC because that's a promotion where you can only fight fighters within within the UFC, obviously. Um, and it's almost like more like a league rather than a promotion. So it's interesting to see what happens with Sean O'Malley's career moving forward. Um, I was very kind of... No, very is a strong word because I, I wasn't very. Um, I just didn't really vibe with Sean O'Malley's personality since he's been in the UFC. But that's starting to change, man. I watched his post-fight press conference. I watched him. I think he had an interview prior to the fight. I, oh, yeah, he had the uh, the kind of the media day press conference. I've been watching him, you know, in the lead-up to his fight. And I feel as though he's grown a lot. I feel like he's a lot 
more intelligent than he gets credit for or I gave him credit for. Um, what he says makes sense. He seems to be a very respectful person and that doesn't really kind of, that's a bit of a juxtaposition to the way he, the way he kind of, um, dresses and looks right with the tattoos and the hair and all of that stuff he he comes across as very f- brash and flash and arrogant and he's not he's not he just knows how to market himself um last couple of fights i want to talk about dominic cruz against pedro munoz i think i'm the only one that felt as though that first round was 10-8 to pedro and i feel as though that was a draw um i did say in the lead up to the fight, that I'm a fan of Dominic Cruz. I appreciate what he does. I, I, I really find him interesting as a character. I love listening to him speak, but I don't really find his fighting style very entertaining. And the reason why I, I say that is I can I can appreciate how hard it is what he's doing, the movement. I can appreciate the fact that his opponents find it difficult to hit him and I can appreciate that he finds little gaps and windows to hit his opponents but it's difficult to find moments of real jeopardy in his fights where he's done something and you feel oh shit he's going to end it he's going to end it and that was the case in this fight on Saturday he he clearly won the second two rounds but the first round obviously everyone um everyone uh uh scored it uh, a 10-9. I felt as though it could warrant a 10-8 because the way Pedro Munoz was hurting him. But what do I know? What do I know? Um, I'm happy Dominic Cruz won and I'd be interested to see him step in there with Aldo next. I think that would be a very fun, entertaining fight of two two pioneers, two legends um in the twilight of their career having a bit of resurgence um and there were two very dominant and long-standing champions in the weight divisions obviously Jose Aldo was a featherweight champion for years and years and years as was Dominic Cruz so seeing them finally fight I don't think they've ever fought before and seeing them actually finally step into the octagon um I think that'd be a really fun and interesting fight to make um finally Taitua Vasa against Augusto Sakai. It's me again. From the area FTA. Taitua Vasa. He's, he's, he's one of my favourite fighters at the moment. I find him really entertaining. And that that the way he finished that fight, that's the killer instinct at that point. He knew he was hurt and he just went for it. He just put his foot on the pedal and he went for it and he got the finish and he was shoeys galore after that. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know... Maybe it's because I was younger and I was new to the sport, but I feel when I first started watching UFC, which would have been, I don't know, 2006, 2007, something like that, <clears throat> there was a lot more characters in the in the organisation. And I appreciate at that, in, the, in those days, fighters were allowed to show their character through what they wore to the octagon and in their fights because there was no Reebok and, 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 and Venom as it is now. So there wasn't a uniform, as the UFC call it. Um, but I just feel as though Ty's a guy that's breaking through, showing his, his, not just his, his, um, fighting ability, but his personality. And, um, he had a few setbacks because I think he lost two or three in a row. And I remember there was rumors that he'd been, um, released. I think I even said it in a video. So he lost three in a row, Junior DeSantos, um, uh, uh, Ivanov and Spivak. <clears throat> but since then he's been on a one two three four fight win streak 
and all four fights have ended via KO or TKO. He hasn't seen a third round since. Um, so he's clearly improving. He's comfortable. Uh, one thing that really annoyed me uh, on Saturday night is whoever was directing that messed up big time. Because Taito Avasa was celebrating and we're here to see him celebrate. We're not here to see random fans in the, in, in, in the crowd holding their shoe and a pint of beer in their hand. Not actually doing the shoey or not actually spilling the beer in the shoe. Just standing there. Just, it's almost like the, the, they tee them up and they're waiting for, um, you know, for Taito the shoe. And at the same time, all these fans are going to do it. And no one did it. They, were, they put the camera on on fans on three or four occasions and all you saw was guys standing there holding their shoe in their hand and holding a beer in the other hand just show me Taito Avasa the guy that actually won the fight I don't want to see a guy sat in the audience who paid $63 for a ticket and he stood there with his shoe in his hand and he didn't even fucking do a shoe he just put his shoe back on his shoe is as dry as a bone the way that guy who what is his name Nelk Boy he's a Nelk Boy I don't even know what Nelk Boys are um, my mate Dara knows who Nelk Boy, he knows who all of these internet people are, like fucking Twitch people and YouTubers, I'm a YouTuber, but not a a famous one, or a good one at that, Uh, but you know what I mean, like he knows all of these people, right, Uh, and and I I don't, I I don't know who the Nelk Boys are, I'm sure they're very good at what they do, but the way, I'll tell you what I really appreciated about that Nelk Boy, the way he threw that can of beer with such precision, with the right weight and the right speed for tyre to catch, along with his Nike shoe for tyre to do that shoey on top of the cage. So, well done to you, Mr. Nelkboy. Um, <clears throat> aside from that, like I said, a very, very, very entertaining night of fights. A uh, quick mention of Priscilla uh, Kachera, uh, I think that's how you say her name, the first fight of the night. The way she was gouging Gillian Robertson's eyes, it was just... That, that that was a move that just stank of desperation but you can be desperate and not be a wanker and she was being a wanker apparently she yeah she missed weight and then she went and done that and um it'd be nice to see the back of her i'm not someone that enjoys seeing people lose their job but sometimes people do things where they deserve to not be in the position that they are um, right, I've gone for nearly half an hour now, uh, so thank you for spending some time with me. Appreciate the fact that you've got to this point of the video. If you've got here and you haven't subscribed yet, do it. Press the button, like this video, share it with a friend if you think your friend might enjoy it. Comment below um, referring back to anything that I've said in this video. Or give me your own opinions about fights on this card and i'd love to interact with you on that front too final message um i had a haircut today and i'm feeling it so i was growing my hair for maybe six months ten months or something i wasn't cutting it from the top and um it showed me two things firstly it showed me that my hairline isn't what it used to be and secondly It showed me that my hair isn't as thick and as luscious as it once was. So I've had to change the look because I've had to hide the hairline a little bit. So that's why I've gone a little bit more kind of down forward. Forehead is still still too big, but it is what it is. But anyway, um, I'll catch you guys now on Thursday. When I do my next upload, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I have, um, I've, what's the right way of saying this? I have, 
I basically said to myself, every Tuesday and Thursday I'm going to post videos. So that's that's it. So that's what I'm doing. But anyway, um, I'll catch you guys next time.